For some reason, the original sermon did not get recorded, so I'm going to record a summary. This is part of a series on uh, the Reformation, the anniversary, the 500th anniversary, and we're looking at essential truths that were rediscovered during the time of the Reformation 500 years ago, and we've seen two of those so far, and we're going to look at the third motto in this series, uh, in this sermon on Romans 4, 1 to 8, and it says this, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. The first motto that we considered answered the question of where. The second motto answered the question of why, that is, what is the cause. The where question is the question of where do we hear God's word? Where will we find God's word? And the answer is in Scripture alone. That's where God's infallible word is found. And then the second question we looked at last week was why? That is, what was the cause of God's intervening on our behalf uh, through Jesus Christ? And the only answer we could come up with in Scripture was only by grace. So it's grace alone. So Scripture alone and grace alone. And the third question is the question of how. If God has intervened, intervened, uh, through Jesus Christ into our world in order to rescue us from the things we looked at last week, from from the ways of the world, from our own sin, from from righteous judgment, uh, then um, how do we access that? How do we receive that? And here Paul looks at the example of Abraham. And he calls Abraham our forefather according to the flesh. It says, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham our forefather according to the flesh? Many translations say, What shall we say Abraham found or was found by Abraham? So what did he discover in in this question uh, that we're looking at? And um, as a Jew, Paul was a Jew, writing to a mixed audience of Jews and non-Jews at the, in the Roman church, he said Abraham, wa- Abraham was our forefather according to the flesh. Of course, he was the forefather of the Jews. But later on, in verses 9 and 10, he pointed out something fascinating. And he said that when God called Abraham, Abraham was not a Jew. He was just uh, one of the nations. So Abraham, when God called him, was a Gentile. And so here, Paul included in this example of Abraham both the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, the question here is what he discovered about justification. If you look at Verse 2, it says, For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. And this is the question. What did he discover about the question of being justified? And this being justified is what Paul's been working on in Romans up to this point. Uh, In chapters 1 and 2 and into 3, Paul talked about the a failure of humanity to live up to God's standards. And then he said, if we are to be justified or, or judged on the basis of how we have behaved, all of us will be rightly condemned. But then he presents, uh, beginning in chapter 3, verse 21, that God has provided a way for us to be justified that doesn't have to do with our performance, with our works. And so he's pointing to Abraham, and then he quotes uh, in verse 3, what Abraham discovered, and this comes from Genesis 15, 6, and it says, 
For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And so what Abraham discovered is that he could have righteousness counted to him through faith, that is through belief. Now we need to look at this word to justify. It appears here twice in verses 2 and 5. And then also there's a, a related noun which is translated here righteousness, and by translating it that way, we lose the connection between the verb to justify and the noun translated righteousness. We could translate it justice to make the the verbal similarity uh, more obvious, Um, but there has been a problem with this translation, and there was a translation problem for 1,100 years in the Western Church. Because the Western Church was using the Latin translation of the Bible, uh, which is called the Vulgate, and it rendered this word uh, justificare or justificare, which means to improve somebody's character, to make somebody more righteous in their behavior. But in order to understand what this verb to justify means here, the context itself helps us. And we find here an expression that's repeated a number of times, And it's this verb, for example, in verse 3, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And if you look at verse uh, 4 or 5, rather, uh, 4 4 as well, 4, now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. Verse 5, to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. And then verse 6, David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. And then, once again in verse 8, uh, it says, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. And so this count is not like counting numerically one, two, three. It means to consider or to uh, reckon or to regard. So it's saying that God counted, considered, regarded, uh, reckoned Abraham as just or as righteous before him. In order to... This is our definition of, uh, or rather the definition of this text of justification. To justify is to count or consider somebody to be righteous, not to make that person righteous. And to, uh, to, uh, to back up that definition, to reinforce it, we could look at an example from the Old Testament, and we could look at an example from the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we find that in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 1, it says this, If there is a dispute between men, and they come into court, and the judges decide between them, acquitting the innocent and condemning the guilty. And then it goes on. And this verb, uh, acquitting, could also be translated justifying, justifying the innocent and condemning the guilty. Now this is not talking about a process of making the innocent innocent. Because what the innocent has already done, he's either innocent or he's guilty, uh, that is the accused. It's not a question of making him innocent. It's a question of declaring him or her innocent. That's what acquitting means. But this verb here, when it's translated into Greek, which is the Bible that uh, Paul would have used, uh, and, and the first century uh, Jews would have been using the Hebrew scripture, but also a Greek translation. And this is the verb, it's translated the same verb that we're seeing in our text here, to justify. So here, uh, acquitting or justifying cannot mean to make somebody uh, innocent, but rather to declare somebody innocent. And we, we've seen how that works. We see that works in our, our courtrooms in the United States where there's a judge or a jury, and at the end of a trial, the judge uh, will bang down the gavel and say, 
I find you, and he will say, or she will say one of two things. I find you innocent or not guilty, or I find you guilty. And if the judge finds someone guilty, that person is declared, reckoned, regarded as guilty before the law. And if that person is declared not guilty or innocent, that person is regarded, reckoned, counted as righteous or just before the law. There's another example in Luke chapter 7, uh, 7 verse 29, and it says this, When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just. Literally it says, they justified God. Now let me ask, were they making God just? Were they making God righteous? No, of course not. That's impossible. Rather, they were declaring Him. They were regarding Him, counting Him, reckoning Him to be righteous or just. And so that's the meaning of this word, to justify. And so the question of this text is what Abraham discovered regarding how we can be declared, reckoned, regarded righteous before God. Now, last week we looked at the principle of grace alone, and we saw that there are two operating principles of how to obtain something, how to receive something. We can either receive it as an obligation, or we can receive it as a gift. And if we receive it as an obligation, then the corresponding activity is to work for it. If you look at verse 4, there's this contrast here in in Romans 4, verse 4. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And this is saying, uh, this is the principle of obligation or payment. So if if we're working on this principle of obligation or payment or earning, then the thing you need to do to obtain what you want is to work for it. And um, this is how much of life functions and how it should function. This is how work functions, uh, that is commerce, uh, business, that's how it's function. If you want to get a check, if you want to get paid, you need to work. If you want to get uh, um, a good grade in school, you need to study. Uh, if you want to succeed in sports, you need to train and you need to compete and you need to be better than the others. And so this is how life functions. And so our tendency is to think that God functions this way as well. Uh, and, and we tend to think that God operates on this, this principle of, of payment or obligation. And so in order to have his favor, in order for him to declare us just, we must work really hard for it so that we can have him declare us uh, as righteous or just. That he can accept us because we have really tried hard to, to fulfill the obligations and receive as a payment. Now, if, if that's how it is, then we have something to boast about. If you look at verse 2, it says, For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. And that's how it, and that's how it would work if we could be justified before God. Well, let's think about school. If we get an A, then we have something to boast about. If we, if we uh, in work, if we get a paycheck or we get a bonus or we get a raise, we have something to boast about because we earned it. Uh, if we succeed in sports, we have something to boast about because we, we worked hard for it and we, we deserved it, we won it. Um, and so here it's saying if Abraham was justified by works or if we are justified by works, then we have something to boast about. But then he says, but not before God, because God is not working on that principle. The other principle, we looked at this last week, is the principle of grace or free gift. And Paul mentions that again in verse 4. It says, now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. So two principles there, gift and due or obligation.
And uh, the corresponding activity to a free gift is faith, to have faith or to believe. If you look at verse 5, he goes on, and here's the contrast, to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. And so, uh, the way to be declared, reckoned, considered, counted righteous before God is not by working for it. He's saying that in order to have this declaration, this regard by God as righteous in his sight, we need to believe. Now, we saw last week that faith produces good works, but faith itself is not a good work because faith is exactly the opposite of working. Because faith is resting, relying, trusting. It is, uh, it is putting our weight on another and not upon ourselves. And we must insist, we must insist, and this was the, 500 years ago, this is what was re-emphasized and rediscovered. We must insist on only faith or faith alone in order to maintain only grace or grace alone. Look at verse 16. Paul spells this out. He says, that is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace. Did you see that? It says, we have to insist on faith. This is why it depends on faith, on resting, on trusting, on relying, in order that the promise may rest on grace. And if we introduce works, or if we combine faith with works as the the how, as the, the how to receive God's salvation, then we have nullified the principle of grace. So in order to maintain the principle of free gift or grace, we need to insist that it is by faith alone, that it might be by grace alone. The practical conclusion of all this is that we must believe in order to be in a right relationship with God in order for him to accept us, in order for him to reckon, regard, declare us to be righteous, acceptable in his sight. Now Paul then goes on to quote Psalm 32. And in Psalm 32, this reinforces the idea that justification is a gifting, because here it calls it a blessing, uh, and that it, it, it is his counting righteousness to us, not according to our works, but according to our faith. It says here, blessed are those, verse 7, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. It looks at first glance like this psalm really doesn't prove Paul's point since it talks about what God does not count. Look at verse 8. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. He doesn't talk about Paul, I'm sorry, David doesn't talk about what he does count, that is righteousness. He talks about what he does not count. So it looks like at first it doesn't prove his point, but upon further reflection it really does, because what he's defending here and and illustrating here is the principle of counting, the principle of regarding, reckoning, or uh, declaring. And here he says, this is how God works. He declares, uh, and here he declares that he's not taking into account the sin of those who believe. And if we put these two sides together, we have the full picture of what justification is. It is God's taking something from us, and it is God's giving something to us. It is God not regarding something, our sin, and it is God's regarding something else, righteousness. We could use the word to credit. So it is not crediting to us our sin, but it is crediting to us righteousness so that we have a righteousness that fully satisfies his requirements. 
And we could ask, well, where did the sin go? We know where it came from, but where did the sin go? To what was it credited? Where did it end up? And the answer is that God credited our sin. He he regarded our sin. He reckoned our sin to Jesus Christ. And that's how it was taken care of. But from where did the righteousness come that he counts or regards or considers to those who believe? Well, the answer is the same. He credited our sin to Jesus and he reckons the righteousness of Christ to us. Now, Paul goes on to explain that in Romans chapter 5, and we'll be looking at that next week. But suffice it to say for now that the, the principle here is grace, and the manner of receiving this grace is by faith alone. But next week, we'll be emphasizing the motto that summarizes another essential truth rediscovered in the Reformation. Because it is not faith in general that brings justification, It is rather faith in only Christ or in Christ alone.